Well, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. I'm David Williams, president of strategy consulting firm Health Business Group. And if you enjoy this podcast, please hit the like button and subscribe. I'm joined today by Lerone Bentevin, president and CEO of Glimpse Group. Lerone, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. Great to be here. Listen, uh, you have a very illustrious career, and not to mention all sorts of interesting things you're you're doing now. So it's going to be it's going to be an exciting one. I want to start off just asking about kind of your your background, your your upbringing. You know, what was your uh, what was your early life like, and you know what are, what are some of the influences that that you took away from the early days? So I, I grew up uh, kind of moving around, which obviously influenced my ability to change and kind of do different things in my career. I think. So I grew up in Israel, spent uh, some of my years in uh, England, and then uh, moved to the U.S. for grad school. So kind of between those three countries and moving different towns between them, I got a lot of different experiences of starting over and kind of get getting to acclimate in different environments and allows me to constantly morph my career as well. So that's been a... Uh, overall trend. That's, that's pretty good. I, I've spoken to a number of people, you know, on the podcast. And I don't know if it's big enough to have a statistically significant sample, but who kind of moved around a lot uh, as they were growing up and maybe gave more experiences or gave them a chance to know that, hey, I better put myself forward here uh, in a new um, environment and not just be complacent. So maybe that is a maybe that is a common theme. Yeah, no, there's definitely kind of uh, something about kind of a uh... Always changing environments kind of allows you to kind of be open to change. Now, what did you study in terms of undergraduate and grad school? So actually kind of uh, kind of one of my decision points kind of in early in my kind of uh, academic decision was, do I go and kind of I've kind of always been a computer kind of a hacker or programmer kind of when I was growing up. And do I take that as a business and go kind of study kind of engineering or computer science or do I go on the business side? And I, I chose the business side, so I actually have an undergrad in law and economics. Yeah. And and then uh, I went and did my MBA at Yale. So I, I stayed on the business side, but I have a good understanding of what it takes to actually build the stuff that I, I'm, I'm trying to envision. It's useful, you know, both for being realistic and, and keeping those developers honest when they tell you it's going to take a little longer or, you know, it can't be done. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So where did you start off after, you know, after business school? Um, you know, what was it? What was your path and, and how was it? Uh... So, yeah, my path was a very interesting and different one. And it's kind of basically I, kind of I'm a serial entrepreneur on one side yet uh, kind of I've got every now and again gotten kind of real experiences, kind of basically learning to shave on other people's beards kind of thing. So I started on the management consulting side. Uh, I did my... Uh, summer in business school in McKinsey and then joined a McKinsey spin-off. So the financial services group at McKinsey in London and New York spun out and created a firm called Mitchell Madison Group. And I spent three years uh, with that group, uh, basically helping Fortune 1000 companies address strategic problems and uh, got a lot of kind of experiences working with kind of uh, pretty senior teams in pretty big companies trying to solve kind of big problems. So that's where I started. And then when I finished business school, it was 1997. As you can count from those kind of years, as I got later in, 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 in my consulting career, I was living in the Bay Area at the time. And it was the dot-com days and uh, everybody around me was kind of having a lot of fun with kind of the dot-com startup scene in the Bay Area. And uh, at some point I had the itch to go do that myself. 
So I took a uh, project that I tried to work kind of the tie to that technology with federated department stores that uh, was successful in terms of uh, they really liked the, the suggestion, but they never implemented yeah. it. And I decided to create a variation of that on my own and started a company called Webricks uh, that basically tried to do physical presence for online retailing, which uh, was probably 20 years ahead of its time. Nice. Well, I remember those days. I was I actually had a summer internship in McKinsey as an undergraduate in London in the financial services group. You know, some years uh, before you were there, and then during the time of the dot com boom, I was at Boston Consulting Group, and I remember, you know, we had all these ideas about dot com and one of the big clients like you were describing to to do it, and they mostly weren't weren't ready for it. So a number of people went up and and did that, and I guess after you learned how to operate the sub zero. Uh, refrigerator, you know, then the next step was to try to actually make things uh, happen. So it's heady times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things you kind of, and, and that's a ongoing theme. Yeah. I, I get to advise people and then I get the itch to actually do it. And kind of, you, you can see that repeat itself in, in my, in my career. That's very nice. Okay. So now give us a glimpse of, of glimpse. What, it, what is glimpse overall? You know, normally we're interviewing people that are just focused on healthcare and I know glimpse goes beyond that, but we'll talk about the healthcare fit. But what, what is Glimpse? So, so Glimpse, I, I co-founded Glimpse in 2016. So as you look at late 2015, early 2016, it dawned on me that we we're in the beginning of a new tech cycle. And those tech cycles are 35 years where multiple technologies get together and really kind of take our world one step further. And I grew up in the previous one, and it sounds like you, you and I yeah. kind of went through the same and where the three technologies, PC, mobile, and internet, basically got together from the early 80s. And then as they went through that cycle, kind of basically moved the world from an analog world, which we lived in as kids, to the digital world where we are kind of in right now. But that digital world is a 2D world. And I saw an opportunity of a new tech cycle that's going to take us from a digital world to an immersive world. And the three technologies that are moving us in that direction are immersive technologies, that's virtual reality, augmented reality, together with AI and blockchain. And I saw that opportunity in early 2016 and wanted to build a company that will be able to uh, do really well in the early part of the cycle, which is the hard one because there's no market. And kind of build a unique concept, taking a lot of different uh, methodologies and concepts that I play around with throughout my career and put them together to build what I call is a platform company for immersive to enterprise focused immersive technologies uh, companies. So what we do is we're in a sense a holding company. We call it a platform company, but it's uh, we have multiple subsidiary companies, all fully owned and operated by Glimpse, uh, but each has their own brand and all technology. And they're all focusing on a variety of enterprise use cases for these immersive technologies. So, you know, in healthcare, sometimes we say it's easy to do technology in healthcare because you could use 30 years behind what anybody else is doing. So in some ways you would put it last. But on the other hand, it's, it's one of the, you know, the early, uh, early ones that you've got within the platform. And then, you know, I think when, when I say that to doctors about, you know, not adopting technology, they say, no, well, adopt the technology if it's any good. And in fact, physicians individually use technology. So where does healthcare fit both in sort of the overall time frame and then within you know, kind of this big tech cycle that you're talking about. So, so healthcare is going to be a major part. So, and kind of immersive technologies are going to morph healthcare in a big way over this cycle. Uh, healthcare historically has not been an early adopter of technology, but we're seeing a lot of experimentation. So, 
as much as organized healthcare takes its while, kind of people that play in healthcare are very innovative because they're constantly trying to do new things, come up with new drugs, new therapies, new ways of doing things. And that leads them to explore immersive technologies. So we're seeing a lot of uh, interest in understanding how immersive technologies uh, can help a variety of different healthcare companies do things differently. And what would be a good example or two uh, in healthcare, um, you know, where there's sort of a crying need uh, for immersive technologies? When you look at uh, the whole interaction between uh, patient and, and therapist or doctor and kind of and telehealth is one of those things that the technology existed for a long while but it took COVID to really push that into practice and now everybody it's kind of funny because everybody was against it kind of the health systems were against it the doctors were against it the, the patients were against it everybody wanted to do the old way yeah now I think all three of those groups are seeing the benefits of uh, telehealth. And I think where immersive technologies is gonna help a lot with that is bringing telehealth into a more kind of immersive element. So telehealth is very 2D, which gives you a chance to talk and kind of the doctor obviously, or the therapist can see the patient. But I think being together in an immersive way will be a lot more powerful than uh, the 2D telehealth that is already kind of uh, taking uh, taking ground. So that's kind of one of the elements. The second big element is training professionals. And one of the biggest challenges of training, it's doctors and nurses and medical professionals and therapists and everybody, is the only real way to, to get real training is by doing yeah. it. And you can't do it unless you are actually dealing with real life patients. And it's one of those things where kind of you can't get a lot by just watching over the shoulder of someone doing it. And if you're doing it, you're actually dealing with people's bodies or minds uh, as you're helping them. And it's, it's one of those things that it's almost shocking that in, we have doctors and therapists that are actually pretty good out there in the world, given the fact that it's very limited in how they can get trained. Let's go back to that uh, telehealth example for a minute. So as you said, you know, there were 20 years. We worked on this back in uh, the year two, actually in the dot-com boom. You know, what happened was they had Hotmail that was sold to Microsoft for, I think, $300 million at the time. And everybody says, let's do Hotmail for doctors, you know. And so they had doctor-patient web-based communication. Most of those companies didn't, didn't really go anywhere. And it took, 20, it took until the pandemic to actually have kind of telehealth happen and it was done you know at the time with with video and one of the things that's interesting is that now we're seeing after going from like one percent up to eighty percent of visits it's back down to twenty percent or something like that but everybody has the experience of it and there's a lot of things that kind of hold it back and I, I wonder whether some of that immersive element is actually what could take it from the new baseline up to a, a higher baseline and solve some of the problems uh, that some of the limitations that it has today in most places, kind of the doctor needs to see you and kind of obviously seeing you kind of in a kind of uh, 3D camera gives you a lot more perspective. And for you to see the doctor, you don't even really kind of you can see them as an avatar. You don't really yeah. need to see the real doctor. You want to get the feeling that you're in a real place and the doctor kind of. And, and I think the technology exists to create that experience. Now, when you go into areas where the doctor doesn't need to really see you, but you want to have that immersive experience, and those are therapy sessions and, uh, and group sessions, that's where right now the technology makes it kind of 
a no-brainer yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it saves you uh, the trouble of going places. And sometimes it's hard, especially if you're looking for groups, to find groups. Or sometimes you want to have anonymity, which uh, VR can give you that without kind of kind of ruining the experience. One of the areas um, why there hadn't been so much adoption of telehealth is like anything in, in healthcare where reimbursement makes a big difference. And I think one of the legitimate objections to telehealth was that if you previously had the situation of an in-person visit and now you put it on telehealth, well, first you have to schedule the telehealth appointment. You have the telehealth appointment and they may say, hey, you know, I really need to see you. So now you've had that additional visit that costs something and then there's the delay of the person actually coming to see them. And I think the immersive um, technologies can actually help to re reduce the number of times that that happens. For sure. So let's talk about mental health. Um, I know that's been an area of interest uh, in, in general for telehealth and, and other sorts of remote uh, technologies. And I think for AR and VR, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential role for, for that in mental health. Are you seeing that? Are you involved in it? Yes, we're, we're definitely seeing that. And uh, we're actually kind of involved, kind of recently uh, uh, done a partnership with a company called Pastea that basically is using ketamine to deal with some mental health issues. And they're going to use a solution that kind of our Fortel subsidiary created to uh, allow those patients as they're going through that treatment to be somewhere else rather than in that room. And it's very important to create that environment and control that environment and allow the therapist to kind of monitor what's going on and interact in that environment in a lot of ways. And that solution that we're, uh, we just finished and kind of uh, delivered to them, so they're going to start using it shortly, is, uh, is a material way of kind of levering virtual reality to augment the uh, ketamine therapy. Interesting. So, you know, what I had heard um, as related to telehealth and, and mental health was that even before the pandemic, there's quite a fair amount of interest because some people have mental health disorders. They could deal better over a text link um, or in some way not sort of face-to-face -face with the therapist. So on the one hand, there's interest in it and feeling that it, you know, it could be helpful. On the other hand, I know that you know, during the pandemic when uh, people lose a lot of anxiety and depression, sometimes the therapist would say it's better for the patient actually to get out of their environment and to come somewhere else as part of the therapy, and it may just be enabling them uh, if they are left kind of where they where they are. I don't know if you have a position, if you have a view on that, and how AR and VR could either improve that or make it worse. Well, kind of the thing about immersive technologies, they allow you to customize the environment in a way you can't do in the real world, and I can create a scenario where I'm talking to someone and that someone doesn't exist. So if you and I were sitting in a room, you cannot disappear. Yeah. Yes, you can talk to me kind of, but you, for you to see me, I need to see you. Uh, kind of, so obviously in VR, we can create an environment where you're something different. You can be an animal kind of, we are working with a group that kind of is dealing with kids that have had trauma and they found that they actually get, feel more comfortable talking to animals than to real people. What if the therapist could be the animal, right? Obviously, in the real world, a therapist cannot become a dog. Yeah. In VR, no problem. The therapist kind of wears a headset, but instead of having a human avatar, they look like a dog, and the kid is playing with the dog and talking to the dog about what happened in, in that environment. 
So this is an example of what you can do. I can make the therapist look different. I can change the environment. We can sit in uh, on a mountain. We can sit in the forest. We can be on the shore. Whatever we want to be that will help us uh, get the therapy to be the most effective is something that you can very easily create in VR, where in the real world you just can't. Kind of, yes, if you therapy is... The therapist is local and you think it's better for you guys to sit on a bench near the beach. Yeah. You can probably meet there and do the session, but it gets harder and the weather and everybody needs to travel there. In VR, you can make the change kind of on the spot. So you can start a session and you see that that's not working out. Say, like, wait, let's go to the forest and see what happens. And you click a button and now you're in the forest and you see if that's giving you the, uh, the right approach or not. Uh, the other thing that's critical in immersive technology is there is a lot of analytics that we can provide because it's all in a digital world. So I can tell you if uh, the patient is looking at you or not, as an example, and what percent of the time he's looking you in the eyes versus looking around. And whether it's good or bad that he's looking at you, that's your kind yeah. of, that ties to how you, how you deal with him. But you can get that information and you can react and change what you're doing to get the patient to react to you in the way that makes sense for what you're trying to do with them. Got it. Now, we've been talking about immersive technologies, and we've been saying AR and VR, and I know what they stand for, and I have some idea what they mean, but can you distinguish between AR and VR and talk about how they maybe work uh, together or if one replaces the other? Yeah, so they, they work together, and uh, I'll, I'll define them first. So virtual reality is a you're basically creating a new world, and that world could be either computer generated or actually recorded as a 360 video or image. And you're immersing that person in that environment by using VR headset. So once you put the headset on, your all your senses, your at least your vision and your hearing are tied, are immersed in that world. You forget about the world you're in right now. You don't see it and you can barely hear it. Yeah. And you're now, your brain thinks you're somewhere else and your brain will react to what's happening based on that. So that's virtual reality. So in a base, in a sense, it takes you from the real world to a virtual world. Augmented reality does the almost the opposite. It brings digital assets into your real world. So uh, you're interacting with augmented reality either through your smartphone or tablet right now, all of the advanced ones uh, that are out there have uh, augmented reality capability. You can interact with them through dedicated AR headsets. So there's uh, Microsoft HoloLens, there's Magic Leap, there's a lot of customized, more industrial use kind of headsets that are out there. And you can interact with, with uh, augmented reality through those. And down the road, we will have personalized glasses. There's got a lot of talk about Apple working on them and uh, Meta, Facebook working on them. And those will come out over time. So in augmented reality, you bring digital assets, information into your world that exists. So let's tie those back into uh, the uh, therapy scenarios. So in one scenario, I put my virtual reality headset on and uh, let's say you're my therapist and we're meeting, could be in your virtual office, could be in the park, could be anywhere you wanna take. I kind of, my room doesn't matter, your room doesn't matter, we don't see uh any of that we are in an environment that we chose to be effective for what we're trying to do in augmented reality uh i would wear augmented reality glasses or a headset 
and I would either bring you into my office or you would bring me into your uh, office and we will see each other but in each other's offices or you can bring information or things to, to, to do but they will be in the world that we're in right now. Got it. All right. So now you, you started to mention this actually in your answer but uh, the metaverse you said meta which is was Facebook. Uh, the metaverse, yeah. is that a real thing or is it just a uh, marketing and how do we relate the metaverse? The metaverse will be a real thing. Yeah. So, so kind of it's, it's one of those things kind of I, I give a lot of talks on what is the metaverse. Yeah. That's kind of a very popular uh, discussion. And the metaverse will be, in my view, the kind of the end goal of this tech cycle. So just like in a sense, the Internet with all of the things that come around that is kind of basically kind of the end result of the digital cycle and everything we're doing right now is through the internet in some capacity, uh, including like doing this video call as an example, yep. kind of. Uh, and so the metaverse will be a 3D version of the internet, meaning you will be able to go into virtual offices, you'll be able to go into virtual stores, you'll go on uh, vacations or fun trips into virtual world that kind of would look like things in the real world or things that are kind of from uh, fiction. And, and, and on and on, and you'll be able to do all those things in the metaverse. Right now, people are beginning to build what I called worlds uh, or experiences. So sometimes you can build an experience where, for example, Fortel, our company that I talked about that works a lot with healthcare professionals and therapists, they have a variety of rooms and worlds that you, you basically download the app on your uh, VR headsets, you have the app, I have the app, we meet there, we can talk, we can have other people join us, and we can do a variety of things. We are in inside that kind of experience. You can have world that has multiple experiences that you can work between them. The metaverse will actually have multiple worlds that are connected to each other, and those worlds uh, would allow you to move between them as yourself, regardless of how you want to be perceived or looked in terms of what avatar, and you can move your assets with you. So you'll be able to spend a lot of time doing whatever you want to do in those worlds. So the metaverse, as I perceive it, will probably come to life seven years from now, 10 years from now, maybe even five years from now, we'll start seeing some early elements of that. Right now, people are be beginning to build experiences in the world that eventually will connect and become the metaverse. So right now, um, you know, there's uh, surveys, out there some statistics that indicate very high percentage of people have some sort of a mental health disorder and some of it's exacerbated or brought on entirely by uh, the pandemic in a in a world of the where we have the metaverse can you speculate on whether the overall uh, mental health of the population will be better worse or just different uh, probably different would be kind of I, I can I can I can I if you force me to take a take a, a side I can probably make the case for both sides yeah uh, obviously, kind of, uh, kind of part of the kind of the challenges, kind of that people have, is that the real world doesn't really conform to what they want it to be. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, but you can't influence that too much. Uh, the world is what the world is, and kind of, and people that have uh, mental health uh, challenges are basically trying to adjust the world to their needs, and it doesn't really work for them. Uh, so in that sense, kind of a world with a metaverse will allow you to choose worlds that fit what you're looking for mm -hmm. and find places where you're comfortable and spend more time in those places where you can't really do that in the real world. So that's the uh, positive look on allowing people to find their spot and in a sense reduce the amount of people that, that have those issues. 
On the other side, since we're going to overwhelm ourselves with a variety of, of, of worlds, I could see how that would overwhelm people and potentially exaggerate kind of uh, issues they have that have been under control yeah. in this one world we're living in. And suddenly they'll have to make adjustments that maybe their body is not geared to, to adjust. Well, if I'm still doing the podcast in, in seven years or so, we'll have you back or you'll be on the metaverse and we can we can see how that's uh, how that is uh, going on. If we could even yeah, no, we, can, we can have the podcast in the metaverse. Yeah, that'll be good. I look forward to that. So uh, final question is really about um, away from the professional back to the, the personal. Or you can keep it in the professional realm, too, if you prefer, which is are there any books that you've uh, been reading lately that, that you would recommend to our viewers? And I guess any you would recommend you stay away from. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I'll stay away from the staying away. Okay. So I'll start with two that I've, I've, I've read in the past and I've actually reread multiple times and they relate to this world. So the first one is Snow Crash. And uh, Snow Crash uh, basically is the beginning of where where uh, the metaverse kind of came to life. And the next one is Ready Player One, which is where kind of you take that concept and you can start envisioning. And I really recommend reading the book yeah. rather than seeing the movie because the fun things were they really kind of go into the detail of the worlds that were created in, in that fictional world are very, very powerful. In terms of books I recently read that uh, I would recommend, and there's uh, there's a lot of really good, and I like having kind of reading fiction books that kind of make you think about different worlds or different ways the world is. So one of them is a book called The Book of Two, Two Ways by uh, Jody Picot, and a really, really good book. And it, it just makes you think about kind of paths you make in life and decisions, and it's kind of, it plays around between uh, kind of two paths that you could have taken in kind of parallel universes and kind of running them simultaneously so you can see the back and forth and how the obvious choice here is not the obvious choice there and how those kind of basically come to be. That, that, that's a pretty, pretty cool one uh, that, that I read. The other one is Sea of Tranquility uh, that recently came out. Yeah. I think it came out earlier this year and it's an awesome book. It's definitely one of my favorite in recent times. So uh, hopefully those four books will get uh, kind of uh, some of the listeners uh, some fun, uh, fun, fun evenings of reading. Now that sounds good. They, they sound like some that I may try uh, myself. So I appreciate that. And none of those are ones that have been uh, recommended by prior guests. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to digging in there. Well, Leron Bentovin, president and CEO and founder of Glimpse Group, Thank you very much for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast. Great, David. I enjoyed our conversation. I'm looking forward to do the next one in the metaverse in seven years. Sounds good. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.